Let's find our Bibles and let's open our uh, apps or find our outline and let's go to Proverbs chapter 4, please. Proverbs chapter 4. And we're going to be in that little text this morning as we continue in our series on the good life. Hopefully by now you've seen that in this book of Proverbs, there's one central theme. And we're focusing on chapters 1 through 9 because in chapters 1 through 9, the foundation of the whole book is laid out. And the foundation is this, get wisdom, learn wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's all about wisdom. And we, we met two women in this book. We meet uh, Lady uh, Wisdom and we meet Lady Folly. And, and both of them are vying for our attention. And depending on who has our ear, so goes our life. If we're listening to Lady Wisdom, amazing things happen. If we, li- if we listen to Lady Folly, uh, we are seduced into all kinds of s- silly and dumb things that can bring destruction in our lives. And we're all paying the consequence for that stuff, right? Some of us are still wishing we wouldn't have made certain decisions in our life that we would have had more wisdom. And that's what this book is about. And that's why we're calling this series The Good Life. Now, God presents for us in this book kind of a a simple equation. He says, if you trust me, if you follow my ways, which is what Lady Wisdom speaks, it's the wisdom of God, as, as she speaks, if we follow God's wisdom, life just works better. It really does, by and large. Now, you say, well, wait a minute, it doesn't always work better, and that's true. There's other perspectives of wisdom that we're going to learn in this series. But for the book of Proverbs, we learn that there's sort of a cause and effect in life. You do what God wants you to do, and your life is going to, generally speaking, turn out better than if you choose to go your own way. God's got a better plan. God's got a better idea. Because he's ordered the universe and ordered our lives to revolve around moral principles of his law, if we follow his ways, our life's going to be better. And so that's what this book has been teaching us and showing us. And hopefully you're seeing by now that wisdom is a really, really good thing. Think of all the stupid things we've done in our lives that we wouldn't have done had we just chosen wisdom's path. Uh, Financial decisions, relationships, marriage, health, well-being, The list goes on and on. Career, work, all these topics and all these things sort of emerge out of this beautiful book of Proverbs. So we focused on chapters 1 through 9, and today we're going to settle into chapter 4 for just a few verses because I want to teach you today a little bit about what it means to gain wisdom and keep it in your life. We've been learning about the importance of wisdom, but today we want to focus on, well, okay, how how do I get it and how do I keep it? In my life. That's what we're going to learn today. In fact, we're going to learn that we can fall in love with wisdom. All right? Just got some of your attention. You just looked up at me when I said that. (laughs) Let's begin in verse 1 of chapter 4. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother, He taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get understanding. Excuse me. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Esteem her, 
and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. And everyone said, amen. Okay, so that's a little passage that basically focuses on one central theme. But the theme is broken into two ways. Here's what I see in those, those verses that we've just read. If you're going to be wise, this is not in your notes, by the way. You could just write them down if you want to. But if you're going to be wise, it's going to take two things. Time, everyone say time. And intentionality. Say intentionality. What that means is you don't become a wise person overnight. Now, a lot of us wish we could, you know, like you just wake up one day, now I'm wise. Wouldn't that be great? That's not the way it works. Wisdom takes time. But wisdom also takes intentionality, which means that nobody becomes wise by accident. You don't stumble into becoming wise. You choose wisdom. So we're going to unpack that this morning from this view of seeing wisdom as one that we can fall in love with, okay? So the first thing, if you're taking notes, I want you to see is that this is all about pursuing wisdom as a priority in our lives. When we talk about time and intentionality, we're talking about priority. And we see this voice, this beautiful voice of wisdom coming usually in the imperative mood saying, hey, pay attention. Pastor Charles last week gave a great message. Are we listening to God? Are we listening to wisdom? There's this idea here that we see reflected very quickly that we need to be paying attention. So look at verse 5. Get wisdom, Solomon says. He says, I learned this from my dad. Who is Solomon's dad? David. So Solomon remembers as a little boy, his father kind of pounding this into him, hey, son, get wisdom, get understanding. You need wisdom. You need understanding. Now, we say that to our kids too, don't we? We want our kids to grow up with wisdom. We want people that we love to have wisdom. And you see that four times in that, just verse 5 and verse 7, you see those two phrases, get wisdom, get understanding, which understanding is just a derivative, just same basic principle as the wisdom principle. So what this points to is an urgency, are you watching this? An urgency of gaining wisdom. We need it. We need it so badly in our lives. And this is what the book of Proverbs is telling us. Now, as Solomon thought about his growing up years, he was reminded about his father teaching him. And maybe that's what prompted Solomon to ask God for wisdom when he became king. If you have your Bibles and you can go back to the book of uh, 1 Kings in the Old Testament, you'll find this on page 524 in the book rack Bible in front of you. I love to hear pages turning. It's great to have Bibles out. If you have a tablet or a smartphone, that's fine. If you've got your app there where you're looking at Scripture, that's great. But let's go to 1 Kings chapter 3, and I want to show you something amazing. It says in verse 5 that at a place called Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said... Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now, think about that. What, what would you ask for if God said, name it and I'll give it to you? And Solomon thought about it for a little bit there in the dream. And in the dream, he realized he's not experienced as a king. He's just a kid in his own thinking. And so he says, uh, give, verse 9, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. 
So what does he do? He asks for wisdom. So, verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and have not for a, and not asked for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never that, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Wow. And we know Solomon is known for his wisdom. Kings and queens from all over the world came to ponder the wisdom of Solomon. And you've even heard that expression. He's got the wisdom of Solomon. She's got the wisdom of Solomon. It's a beautiful expression that reminds us of this amazing gift that God gave to him. Now, if you're still there in 1 Kings 3, go over to chapter 4 and look at what happens as a result of this. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight, verse 29, and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all men in the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man, including Ethan, and it goes on in describing. Solomon was a, a truly wise person. So what's the point? And by the way, when you think about Solomon, Solomon had a season in his life where he wasn't that wise after this, which tells us that you can be wise for a season in your life, and that's no insurance that you're going to be wise for all of your life. So if you think you're doing well today, just be careful because pride comes before the fall, right? That's what, that's what the Proverbs tells us too. So we need to be careful. Um, but here's the point that I'm trying to bring to you if you're taking notes. God will give us wisdom if we ask him for it. That's the number one thing that we should be asking God for every day. When we get out of bed, the first thing that we should do is hit our knees to the ground, or at least metaphorically, and say, God, I need wisdom today. I need your wisdom today. I need to know what's right for my life today. And if you're inclining into the Lord that way, uh, your day is going to be a whole different kind of day. You're going to just be focused more, and we'll see what that means in just a few minutes. But that's what we ought to be doing. And by the way, God loves to give wisdom to his people, not just to kings, not just to Solomon, but to his people. Proverbs 2.6. Let's read it out loud. We'll put it on the screen. Ready? Here we go. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth came knowledge and understanding. God gives wisdom. It comes from him. Coming to the New Testament, James chapter 1, verse 5. Let's read that one. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So God says, look, if you want wisdom, ask. And that should be the thing that we're asking for every day. God will give us wisdom just like he gave Solomon wisdom because we asked for it. And then here's a bonus. If you're still in 1 Kings, and I'm not, but let me go back there. 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, look at verse uh, 13. God says, moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. So God promises wisdom. He gives him wisdom. And he says, because you didn't ask for all the wealth and jewels and all the things that most of the kings of the world want, he says, I'm going to give you those things too. So the beautiful thing, and that, by the way, you say, oh, good, I'm asking for wisdom, so I'm going to expect a lot of riches in my life. That's not really how it works, but the point is, is that God is a benevolent God. God loves to bless his people. When we ask for the right things, 
God is a generous God. He gives us more and abundantly beyond we could ever ask or think. And that's a beautiful thing. So wisdom must be our priority because we know that God will give it to us. And watch this. We need wisdom. Now, I want to just walk you through some scriptures, some Proverbs and some others, and we'll go really fast through this time, but I want to show you why we need wisdom. Right from the book of Proverbs and other places in the Bible, you'll see as we go along here. If you're taking notes, first of all, we need wisdom to keep us from undue pain and suffering. How many people here like pain and suffering? Anybody? Just, okay, I didn't think anyone. Most of us don't like pain and suffering because we would push away from that. But when you think about it, We meet people all the time who are experiencing pain and suffering because they've not made wise choices in their lives. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not introduced to somebody who in my heart and even through their own words, I think, ah, probably could have used some wisdom back then, probably could have used some wisdom in that choice, didn't use wisdom, and now there's a consequence that's coming around. And that's what the book of Proverbs is saying. Look at Proverbs 2.12. Wisdom will save you from the days of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. Proverbs 10.13 says, Wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but a rod for the back of him who lacks judgment. Boy, those are really pithy sayings. When you lack judgment, you're going to expect the rod on your back. That's a metaphor of suffering and pain that nobody really wants. And that's all of us. We've all act foolish. We've all done foolish things. I loved Pastor Rob Markley's devotion this past week on Friday. I think it was the 26th. And in Proverbs 26, there's a picture of the fool over and over and over again. And he equated, remember Mr. T of the A-team and Rocky Balboa and how he used to go around, I pitted a fool. You know, he'd, he'd say it was such a great Great devotion because it brought us back to the fact, and Rob says so powerfully in his devotional, we're all foolish people. We all suffer from being foolish, and we've all had these things happen. I like what someone has said. The problem with the gene pool is that there's no lifeguard. Think about that for just a minute. (laughs) So God wants to save us from, you know, pain and suffering, and wisdom will do that. Number two. To have a credible witness to those outside of God's family. Uh, you want to have a witness for peop- uh, among people that don't know God, don't know Christ? Well, look at what Deuteronomy 4.6 says. Observe God's commands carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. Who will hear about these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. That's a beautiful picture of our reputation to people that don't know our God. They will see us as wise as we follow the plan of God. Number three, to be an effective leader. Some of you are moms, your dads, you're a boss in your company, uh, you're a public servant, you're a political leader, uh, and you kind of wonder, how can I get people to rally around me? How can I get my kids to follow my instructions? How can I lead better? How can I do a better job in my company or my work? Listen to what it says about Joshua in Deuteronomy 34. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. So Joshua had power in his leadership because he was a man of wisdom. Wisdom will increase your effectiveness as a leader. Number four, to understand the brevity of life and our need to cherish each day. 
Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So wisdom will just make you smarter for the days you're living in and more appreciative of the days you're living in and cause you to remember that you're not going to be living these days forever. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom calls you into your mortality. It reminds us that our days are few. Number five, to live a moral and ethical life. To live a moral and ethical life. And there's a ton of Proverbs there, but I'm looking at Proverbs 10.23. Read it out loud with me. A fool finds pleasure in evil conduct, but a man of understanding delights in wisdom. And let's look at Proverbs 12.8. Let's read that. A man is praised according to his wisdom, but men with warped minds are despised. You want to live a moral and ethical life? You need wisdom. Because the, the seduction of folly is everywhere. And depending on who's whose voice we're listening to, so goes our lives. Number six, to improve relationships by reducing conflict. If you have conflict in relationships, a marriage, family, dads to kids, moms to kids, in your job, in your workplace, perhaps in your neighborhood, if you've got conflict, check this out. Proverbs 13.10, pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. And I love Proverbs 19.11. It says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. You know, it's just wise to sometimes go, eh, eh, no biggie. But the fool always wants to make his stand, always wants to defend his cause. And sometimes that creates more conflict. Just examine your relationships right now. Is the conflict maybe because... You're not choosing wisdom. You're not looking over offenses. Lastly, this is not even a blank to fill in, but to protect yourself from being driven only to obtain wealth. <laughs> Proverbs 23, 4, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. There's a lot of people knocking themselves out to get rich. And the Proverbs saves us a lot of anguish in life. It says, look, you know, money's okay. Money's important. You need money. But if that's all you really want, you'll never have enough of it. That's what Ecclesiastes tells us in chapter 5. He who loves money will never have money enough. So it's, it's a picture of balance in our lives, that wisdom always moves us into center, always takes us to a place where we're just able to deal with life much more uh, effectively and efficiently. So that's why it's a priority. And just a little bit of a summary there, but I hope that that encourages us in a lot of broad categories. Now, you say, okay, well, that's good. I know that wisdom should be a priority, but let's talk about how we gain wisdom and how we keep wisdom, kind of the, kind of the kernel or the, the heart of this passage. Uh, talks about the way we pursue wisdom, and the way I'm putting it here in my notes is that the best way to pursue wisdom is to do so in a way, in the same way we pursue true wisdom love. Now, I, I don't know about you, but it's a beautiful metaphor throughout this whole book that shows this woman, Lady Wisdom, who is so beautiful in character, and she's speaking to a young man, the son, by extension, that's the reader of Proverbs, that's you and me. And so 
the essence of what's being said here in chapter 4, where it says, love her, she will watch over you, don't forsake her, she will protect you, uh, she will set a garland of grace around your head, don't swerve from her. All of these are pictures of intimacy, a picture of, of love, a picture of closeness. And the writer is saying, look, the way you go after wisdom is in a similar way the way you pursue true love in your life. Now, for those of you that might think that's a little risque or a little bit too uncomfortable for you, uh, well, I would give you Proverbs 7.4 that says, say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your kinsman, okay? So you can, you can take the notch, you can take it down a couple notches if you want, but realize that within any relationship, you can pursue wisdom the way you pursue a loving relationship. So let's look at that and what that means. In fact, let's just stop right here for a second and ask how we're really interpreting this book because this is really important. Um, all Scripture points to the person of Jesus Christ, okay? So if we went through the whole Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, we could see how each one of these books in their main idea points to Jesus, and so really the whole Bible is pointing us to Jesus, pointing us to the Christ, pointing us to the one who came to save us from our sins. And that's a beautiful thing right here because if you're sitting here today going, man, I just need more wisdom in my life. I'm tired of screwing up. I'm tired of you know, living in pain and suffering. I want more wisdom in my life. No, what you really need is to fall more in love with Jesus in your life because Jesus will give you the wisdom that you're looking for in your life. And that's the message. That's the message of Proverbs that Jesus is the wisdom of life. And that's a beautiful thing. And I say that because I know on any given Sunday we get a lot of folks who don't know Christ or you're looking into knowing Christ and it just, it just kind of clears the sky a little bit when you realize that we're not trying to get down to the nitty-gritty of, you know, a self-improved life. We're just trying to explore ways to love Jesus more and to know his love more in our lives. And that's really important. Our, all of our problems can be traced to simply not being in love with the Lord Jesus like we should and like we could because you can fall more in love with Jesus too. Regardless of what you think about that, Jesus, you know, a relationship with Christ is not a religious experience. A religion is an outside in. It's like conforming me to certain things. I need to keep these rules. I need to go to church. I need to do all this stuff. No, that's an, that's an outside-in approach. That's religion. That's all religion can do is like conform yourself to outside things and you become more like those things. No, Jesus offers an inside-out. He comes to change the heart. He moves in, moves things around in our lives. And, and that's the relationship that's so beautiful. And if you don't know that relationship, today you can start by faith. You can trust in Christ. You can believe that he died for your sins and rose again. You can ask him to come in and take residence in your life. Amen. So I, I think that this metaphor of pursuing wisdom like we pursue true love is a better way of understanding how to obtain wisdom and keep it. Now let's get really specific according to the text. If you're taking notes, first of all, I see there that we should pay attention to her I see that in verse 6 where it says, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Uh, this idea of not forsaking starts with not neglecting. All true love relationships come to a crashing end when neglect comes into the relationship. Are you following me? 
I mean, you know, if you're married here, it's important that you remember your anniversary, for example. Let's just say that. So if you're out in public and somebody says, how long have you been married? Oh, I've been married eight years. When's your anniversary? And you think, uh. Your wife's going to go, really? Because she remembers. You know, there's some things that we just, as men, I think it's probably a gender thing a little bit, but men tend to forget stuff. And you should not, men. You want a more intimate relationship with your wife. Remember the details. Very important. And, and neglect is like the erosion of intimacy. You just, you just don't remember important things. You don't lean in to important things. I like, I read this this week. The bonds of matrimony are, are a good investment only when the interest is kept up. Did you get that? Okay. If you didn't get it, listen to the podcast. All right. <laughs> so we stop noticing we stop noticing. Uh, I, I do a fair amount of marriage help. I'm not a counselor, but I sit down with marriages that are in trouble sometimes. And almost all the time, you can trace back the problem in the marriage to a neglect, just a common neglect, just forgetting about common things, being kind and gracious and remembering dates and remembering to date and remembering those kinds of things. But you know, this is not just a marital relationship. This is what love does between people that love each other, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. We notice each other. We recognize each other. We spend time with each other. But the problem is, is we, we start neglecting and we forget that experience, I love this, experience is something that you don't get until just after you need it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like this big light that comes on. You go, oh man, I should have known that. And that's why we need wisdom. Pay attention to her. The second thing is, verse 6, love her. The love language is as clear as a bell in this text. I mean, it actually says, love her. Do you love wisdom? Love is not a feeling. It's, it's an action. It's a commitment that we make. And I love the fact that right here in the text, we're called to love wisdom. That means we need to choose wisdom. Number three, spare no expense on wisdom. Verse seven, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though, she, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Wow. You know, wisdom uh, can cost us some things. I remember years ago, I made a terrible investment on a car that I thought was such a great deal. Um, you know, it was actually too good to be true kind of a deal. And it was, it was an older car, but it had like 20,000 miles, and it was in perfect shape. And I went and looked at it. It looked perfect. I mean, the leather, it even smelled like a new car inside. I plucked down 4,000 bucks. It was probably worth, Blue Book was like 6,000. I said, man, this is a steal. I bought the car. I drive it to my mechanic to get a tune-up because it had been sitting for a while. And my mechanic says, no, tell me you didn't buy this car. I said, what do you mean? He goes, this car, have you read Car and Driver? He goes, this is the worst car you possibly could have bought. And I'm like, my heart is sinking down in my chest. I call the guy, I'll give you a thousand bucks to take it back. He goes, no, enjoy the car. You know, it's like he was so happy with it that it was gone. And now I had the car. And for the first six months or so, I think I put two more thousand dollars into that car. And it just kept breaking down. It was the worst car I've ever had in my life. After first service, someone said, would you tell us what kind of car that is? <laughs> you know, uh, but the point is, <laughs> I don't want to insult anybody here, but the point is, it, you know, 
I look back on that. Okay, that car cost me about $6,000. I, I, the way I got rid of it was I took it to a car. I didn't want to sell it to anybody. So I took it to a car dealership and traded it in for another used car. And I, the guy gave me 600 bucks for the car. So I'm looking back on this, you know, and, and I was kind of bothered by that for a long time in my life. And maybe I'm still bothered by it a little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. But you know what? That was, that was a lesson. It cost me about $6,600. But you know what? It's, it's fixed me for life when it comes to buying cars. I've got so much wisdom now about cars. <laughs> I really do. I mean, I read Car and Driver. I read all the reports. If I see a good deal, I go, oh, not so fast. I'm taking it to my mechanic. You know, it's just like I, I've learned my lesson. It was expensive, but you know, though it costs all you get, great. You're better ahead. You know, there's a young man I've been uh, reaching out to, and, uh, you know, his story, uh, he, not a Christ follower uh, until just a week ago or so. Um, and we've been getting to know each other. So I take him to breakfast, and he's telling me his story, and he's telling me his life story. And he got into a place. He's like 25 years old, but a few years ago, he kind of went to his dad. He was mad about life, and he said, Dad, you owe me $10,000. It's kind of a picture of like the prodigal son, really. And, and his dad thought about it, and he goes, Dad, if you give me this, you know, my life's going to be better, and I'm going to fix my life and all this stuff. And he felt like his dad owed him this money, so his dad gave him 10000 bucks. Okay. And he tells me the story. This kid sitting across the booth in Elio's restaurant tells me that in a matter of months, he burned through 10000 bucks. And how did he burn through it? Parties with friends, smoking weed. I mean, he just said literally... <laughs> Literally, he goes, 10,000 bucks just went up in smoke. That's what he said. And his life, oh my goodness, he, it was just a, you know, he just poured it all out all his life. And I said, I said, you want, you want a different life? You want all that stuff to be forgiven? You want all of that old to be made new? It only comes through knowing Christ. And I could see tears kind of welling up in his heart. I said, do you want that kind of life through Jesus? And we've been getting to know each other. We've been sharing faith and things. And he goes, yeah, I want that, that kind of life. And we prayed right there, and he gave his life to Christ. And, you know, this morning he was sitting in first service, and I leaned over to him after the service. I forgot about that story. And I said, I said hey, you know the 10,000 bucks that you blew? He goes, I was thinking about it all through your message. <laughs> I said, that's the best investment of wisdom that you've ever given. He goes, that's right. My life's different now. You know, it's going to cost you. There's going to be stuff that you're going to hit yourself in the head and say, why did I do that? But you know what? It's worth it. If you're taking notes, what I want you to see is that wisdom has inestimable worth in our lives. And that's why verse 7 says, wisdom is supreme. How much better to get wisdom than gold, Proverbs 16, 16 says. Proverbs 17, 16 what use is money in the hand of a fool since he has no desire to get wisdom? <laughs> Isn't that a great picture? Money in the hand of a fool, boo, 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 just going everywhere because there's no wisdom. Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. Hold on to it with everything. Wisdom. Job reflected over this idea of 
the price of wisdom and concluded that it was beyond the price of rubies and pure gold. Look at Proverbs, or excuse me, Job 28. We'll put it on the screen. Let's read it out loud together. Let's do that. Here we go. God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells, and said to man, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. Get wisdom. Okay, so pay attention to her, love her, spare no expense on her. Look at verse 8, esteem her. Verse 8, esteem her and she will exalt you. To esteem something is, or someone is to place high value on them. I'm thinking of James 3.17 that says, The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Listen, when you're peace-loving, you're esteeming wisdom. When you're considerate, you're esteeming wisdom. All the descriptions there of wisdom from, from above, the wisdom that comes from above, that's how we show we value her. We also embrace her. I like that, verse 8. It says, embrace her and she will honor you. Something special about embracing someone you love. The embrace is that moment when you say, I need you near me. I need you by my side. Sometimes when you embrace someone you love, you just you don't want to let them loose. Um, I, just, I, I was talking to someone who recently was married, and he was telling me this story that on the first date with his wife, he, he just, he said, he, this is what he described to me, he said, I said to her in the least creepiest way I could <laughs> as I hugged her, I just don't want to let go. And that was the beginning of their relationship. And, and I thought, wow, that's a, you know, I thought of that when I see this verse. It says, embrace her. Because when you embrace wisdom, what you're saying is, I, I don't want to let go of this. I, I, I see the value of this. I don't want to lose this in my life. And remember, Jesus, our Lord, Luke 2, 52, he grew in wisdom and stature and in the fear of God with men. So, Jesus embraced wisdom too. He made choices to keep wisdom in his life. Embracing wisdom is the exercise that must continue to grow in our lives. All right, now, so we, we embrace her, we, we pay attention to her, we love her, we waste no expense, we, we just are willing to, all these things, esteem her, and embrace her. All of these things happen. And what, what is she going to do for us? What does, what does this wisdom do for us? Let's look at those quickly, if you're taking notes. What are the promises, the benefits of wisdom? Number one, wisdom promises true protection. See that in verse 6. If you don't forsake her, if you pay attention to her, she will protect you. That's a beautiful promise. So practical. Get into the nitty-gritty of our lives. You know, it's, it's amazing when I think all the dumb things that me and my friends did when we were of the age thinking that we were invisible and, you know, invincible and impervious to the laws of nature, you know, jumping out of trees, jumping out of cars, jumping out of boats, jumping out of airplanes in ways that could have and in sometimes did end up in some disaster. But for some kids, many kids, that's exactly how things done foolishly end up. Disaster. You want to save yourself from disaster? Fall in love with wisdom. Wisdom will protect you. Very practical benefit. 
Wisdom will protect you. See this over in Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Don't you like that? And check this out. Wisdom not only promises protection, but wisdom promises to pay attention to your needs. Wisdom promises to pay attention to your needs. Love her and she will watch over you. That sounds like protection, but it's actually more than this. It's, it's the idea of as the Spirit of God hovers over whatever or whomever he is working with to accomplish his will. It's a picture of blessing. It's a picture of provision. The enemy always comes along saying that if we choose wisdom, we are going to miss out in life. You choose the wise way, you're going to miss out in life. That's, that's the lie of the enemy. That's foolishness speaking to you. Because wisdom says, no, if you pay attention to me, I'm going to pay attention to you. I'm going to actually shore up your life. I'm going to actually create blessing in your life. I'm going to actually bring things about in your life that will be good. I love Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Say it with me. My help comes from the Lord. You can read that whole psalm. It's a beautiful psalm, but the whole picture of that is that when you embrace wisdom, she embraces you. Provision for your life. Wisdom promises protection. She promises to watch over us. Number three, wisdom promises healthy approval or exaltation. Verse eight, this is a picture of how esteem, the picture that esteem that others will bring to us at the right time in our lives. In the New Testament, we read Peter. He writes this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up in due time. It's an amazing thing. Wisdom brings honor and exaltation to our lives at the right time. At the right time. Number four, wisdom promises a good reputation. Verse 8b, she will honor you. This is a picture of of how people see our lives, how our lives work their way out in ways of respect. And some of us feel like we don't get respect in life, and it's because we're not choosing a life of wisdom. It protects, it pays attention, it gives us healthy approval and even a good reputation. But I love this last thing, and we're kind of out of time here, I think. I love this last thing, verse 9. She will set a garland of grace around your head and present you with a crown of splendor. You know what that says? Wisdom promises you a timeless beauty. A timeless beauty. Do you want to possess a timeless beauty? No matter how old you are, no matter how attractive you might see yourself, then choose wisdom. I mean, there are physically attractive people around us. We notice their features. But true attraction, the kind that draws people, encourages people, transforms people, are those who have a garland of grace around their head. It's a garland of grace. And by the way, just so you know, in Proverbs... The crown of splendor is said in chapter 16, verse 31. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained by a righteous life. I'm just saying. I'm being silly. But seriously, you know the people that are beautiful? They're people that are wise. There there are attractive people that that are so unattractive. So you want to be attractive? I mean, really attractive? A knockout? Choose wisdom. Fall in love with her. 
Fall in love with her. Fall in love with Jesus.